0: Today's hero of the faith is such a a powerful figure, the great prophet of the Old Testament. I want us to look and see what we can learn from Elijah. And as we look at his story once again, I want us to prayerfully open our hearts and minds to the possibility that God may very well challenge us at the very core of our faith, and that He may very well use this morning to prepare us for a life-changing week ahead. With those possibilities in mind and with our minds on Him and our hearts in prayer, let me invite your attention to 1 Kings chapter 18 the book of 1 Kings, and we're going to be in chapter 18. I want us to learn what we can from Elijah about what it means to stand up for God, what it means to take a stand for truth, to stand up when others really don't want you to take that kind of stand. Sometimes standing up means standing alone. I want us to look at one of those events in his life, and we're going to learn from it as we do. Let's begin in 1 Kings 18. We're going to start at verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? Ahab was the king by that time, and he had led his people to begin worshiping false gods. He had led his people away from God. And this is the king of Israel, God's nation, God's people. And he had led them away from God. They were worshiping false gods and living all kinds of craziness. And Elijah, being the prophet of God, was standing up and he was saying, you guys are wrong, you guys are wrong, we need to worship God. There's only one true God and you're worshiping the false gods. That was stirring up trouble for Ahab. So Ahab sees him one day and he says, Ah, you're that troublemaker, aren't you? And he says in verse 18, He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Elijah says, I'm not the troublemaker in Israel. You're the troublemaker in Israel. You're causing trouble by disobeying God and leading the nation to do so. You're now worshiping Baals. That word is it's often used as a proper name for one specific false god. But it, it also means false gods in general. You're, you've led them to worship this whole slew of, of false gods. Verse 19... Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. That's the queen. The queen is is, uh, uh, kind of the head of the prophets of the false gods. And he says, I tell you what, Let's have a meeting. Let's get together. And you bring all those folks over here, and, uh, and let's talk about this, and let's see who's really causing the trouble, and let's, let's see what God wants to do about it. Verse 20, it says, So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people, and he said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. And the first thing that we learn from Elijah in this great great event, this great story, is that we have to decide where we stand. Elijah said to the people, you guys need to figure this out. You need to stop tiptoeing back and forth. The way way this translation put it was um, uh, he, he said, Elijah came near to all the people. How long will you go limping between two different opinions? It's the idea of jumping from one foot to the other. He says, are we the people of God? Are we the nation of God? Are we Israel or are we Baal worshipers? You can't be both. He said, it's time for you to stop play on both sides of the fence and figure out who you are and take a stand once and for all. It's the same thing that Joshua said to the people when he said, you can choose to worship the false gods that, that our fathers worshiped and those people worshiped over there, or you can choose to worship the Lord God Almighty. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Joshua said, it's time to make a choice And Elijah told the same people the same thing. He said, It's time to stop bouncing back and forth, trying to ride the fence, trying to be on both sides. It's time for you to decide once and for all where you stand. Let me ask you this morning how long are you going to play games with God? That's basically what he was saying to his people. You're playing games with God. Either you follow him or you don't, either he's God. Or He's not. You have to decide. We can't say we follow God on Sunday morning at 10.15 a.m. and then follow the things of the world and act like everybody else when we're in class on Monday morning. We can't say we believe in God and, and say we're going to trust Him and say we're the people of God on Sunday and then act like the rest of the world in the bar on Friday night. we got to figure it out, folks. you got to take a stand eventually. You know the politician that none of us can stand? The politician that none of us can stand is the politician who says one thing to this group and something else to this group and something else to that group trying to please everybody. He's not a leader. He's a politician. The same thing is true about our faith. If we're truly going to be people of God, we have to decide and take a stand. Are we his or are we the world's? James chapter 1 and verse 8 talking about a person who doubts and he says, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You see, if you are double-minded, you will be unstable. Because you're jumping on one foot over here saying, this is my camp. And then you're jumping on this foot over here saying, this is my camp. And you're not stable. Double-minded people cannot be stable. You've got to choose, decide. Before you leave this room this day, you will be challenged to decide once and for all, is he God or is he not? Are you his or are you not? When Luciano Pavarotti was young, he took lessons From uh, uh, this professional tenor, he was learning how to sing and how to use his voice. But he also went to teacher's college at the same time. And when he graduated, he asked his father if he should be a singer or a teacher. And his father said, Luciano, if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. You ever done that? You ever tried to sit in two chairs and one of them moves and there you go? That's because chairs were intended for us to sit in one at a time. You're going to have to decide. You've got to pick a chair. You've got to decide which side you're on. Because Jesus reminded us in the Sermon on the Mount, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And in the context of of that passage, he's saying you can't serve God and the things of this world. You got to make a choice. Decide where you stand. The second thing that we learn from Elijah in this great story, is to take a stand, even if you stand alone. Did you see in verse 21, when he said, you guys are going to have to decide, it said the people did not answer him a word. They had nothing to say. But in 22, it says, Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, Am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now we know that technically that that wasn't true because there were still some prophets who believed in God. However, on that day in that place, that was very true because those other prophets who really believed in God, you know where they were? They were hiding in caves, afraid to take a stand, afraid to be seen, as believers and so at that time on that day in that place Elijah was the only one and he said there's 450 prophets of Baal and I'm the only one standing for God and yet I will take my stand you see when we take a stand for God it will not always be popular as a matter of fact it will almost never be popular But our goal in life is not to be popular and not to be liked. It is to serve the God who deserves our service. And so we take a stand, even if that means we stand alone. John Knox established what we know as the Presbyterian Church. He did so at great personal sacrifice. And John Knox is the one who first said, a man with God is always a majority. Elijah said, I'm only one against 450, but he knew what we need to understand, and that is that a man with God is always a majority. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. He says, am I now seeking, this is Paul, Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now notice that last phrase. We all want to make people happy. We all want to be liked. We all want to be popular. We all want to be powerful. It's, all, it's in all of us. But is that what's driving us? Because if our need, our desire to be liked, to be popular, to please other people, if that outweighs our love of God and our desire to serve Him, then we got it all mixed up. So he says, I would not be a servant of God if I let that happen. So are we serving God or are we serving man? Edward Everett Hale said, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. What I ought to do by the grace of God, I will do. Take a stand, even if you stand alone. Cliff Barrows is a name you may be familiar with. He led music for many, many years as part of the Billy Graham Crusades. And he once told this story. He said at the 1952 Billy Graham Crusade in Jackson, Mississippi, Billy told the local committee that the crusade would be integrated. There would be no segregation. He says that um, Cliff Barrows telling the story says, but when I got to the stadium... The ushers had put up ropes to separate the blacks from the whites. I was rehearsing with the choir, but I saw Billy enter the stadium and come up onto the platform. I tried to turn around to see what would happen. Billy looked out over the assembling crowd and he saw the ropes. Without saying a word, he left the platform, went out into the stadium, and began taking down the ropes personally." It was an extremely tense moment, but Billy was calm and determined, and he took down those ropes. One of the ushers apparently said, Mr. Graham, we're just going to put those right back up again. To which Billy reportedly said, if you do, I'm leaving. And the ropes never went back up. Cliff Barrows completes his story by saying the power of God fell on that stadium. During the course of that crusade, 362,000 people attended and more than 6,000 made decisions for Christ. Sometimes we have to take a stand, even if that means that we stand alone. The next thing that we learn from Elijah is that false gods will let you down. False gods will let you down. We pick it up now again at, at verse 23. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves. He's saying this about the prophets of Baal. Bring two bulls and let them pick the one they want. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I'll call upon the name of Yahweh, the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. And call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. They took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning... That air conditioner just turned my page. Um, (laughs) They called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying... O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. He said, Call louder because your God can't hear you. You know, maybe he's, maybe he's busy thinking about something. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's on a trip. I don't know. Maybe he fell asleep and you just have to wake him up. There is humor in the Bible, by the way. Elijah is making fun of these guys. This is tremendous sarcasm. And in his sarcasm, he's making a very clear point, isn't he? It says in verse 28, they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. They'll do anything to get their God's attention. Bunch of (laughs) cut-ups. And as midday passed... They raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. The time of the offering of the oblation. That's that's confusing. It just means the evening. In other words, they yelled and screamed and hollered from morning until noon. And then from noon till evening, they yelled and screamed and hollered and danced and cut themselves up and made all kind of ridiculous activities and behavior. And, And guess what? The last part of verse, or or, or verse 29. As midday passed, they raved on till the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Why? Because there's no one there. False gods will let you down. You worship the God of popularity. One day you will find yourself very lonely. When you worship the God of materialism, one day you'll realize that you've lost more than you've gained. When you worship the gods of power and self-promotion, one day you'll find yourself forgotten and overlooked. Listen, when you worship the God of attention, did you know that that can be a God? There are some people who are so addicted to getting attention They'll say or do just about anything to get attention. This is worshiping a false god. And let me tell you what happens when you fall into the worship of the god of attention. You get in a cycle where you can never, ever... Be satisfied because you're worshiping a God that says you have to get more and more attention. And the more attention you get, the more you want. And you're never satisfied and you're always frustrated with the people around you because they're not paying enough attention to you and you become a very unhappy and usually, usually a very grumpy person. I've seen it. I see it every day. When you worship false gods, they will let you down. You worship the God of beauty, one day you'll realize that beauty is fleeting and vanity is empty. You may find temporary pleasure in playing around with the false gods of this world, but there will be no lasting peace, no real joy, no abundance of life, no fire from heaven. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 84... A day in your courts, speaking to God, the true God, speaking to Yahweh, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Because false gods will let you down. We also learn from Elijah that there comes a time when we stand up and when we do, you have to understand that you're standing up For God, not yourself. You stand up for God, not yourself. Let's continue our story. We're at verse 30. Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. All the people came near to him. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seahs of seed. Think of that in terms of 24 pounds of seed. You can imagine how much that would be. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. He said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. You see, he was going to make a point. Not only could his God bring fire from heaven, but his God could bring fire from heaven that was so powerful it could overwhelm three loads of water on top of this bull and could still burn that puppy up or that bull. He was making a point very clear. And at the time, verse 36, and at the time of the offering of the oblation, that just means evening, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, that you have turned their hearts back. Here's what so many, so many of us might fall into very quickly and very easily. I got my altar set up. I got water on it. I got the bull on it. Now, y'all watch what I'm finna do. Watch. I'm gonna pray and fire is going to come down and that water's going to get burnt up and that bull's going to get burnt up we're going to have us a barbecue watch, watch how powerful I am because me and God are tight watch this I could see I could see many of us including myself falling for that but what did Elijah do Elijah said God don't let this become about me God make sure this is all about you Make sure the people understand that this is the power from heaven. This is your power. Help them understand I'm just your servant. And I say all of that to say this. When you take a stand, it doesn't mean be obnoxious. Taking a stand is not being a nuisance. Taking a stand is making sure people are thinking and looking to God. You take a stand and make it about yourself; you've ruined it. Okay, so you stand up for God, not yourself. And finally, we—it's uh, not there, but you—but I'll tell you about it. Finally, number five is standing up for God's standing up for God changes the crowd. When we do stand up for God, it changes the people around us. You remember earlier, after he called on them to make a choice, it said they didn't say a word. They had nothing to say. Look at what happens in verses 38 and 39. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, now they're ready to talk. The fire comes from heaven and burns everything up and now they're ready to talk. And what did they say? Yahweh, He is God. Yahweh, He is God. Now they've said it. They saw His power at work and now they're taking their stand. He is God. You see what happens? Standing up for God changes the crowd. Because Elijah was willing to take a stand, everybody there was changed that day. And I'm telling you students, when you begin to take a stand in your classroom, in your, in, in, in your, your school environment, you can see God change West High School and Abbott High School. You can see God change the people around you. It's not because of something that the one who takes a stand is doing necessarily, but when you take a stand, you set the stage for God to do amazing things.